I'm Danielle West. Welcome to Intentional Marriages Podcast, where we share vulnerable insights about marriage. So I am joined here by Kelly Hall. Thank you for doing our Intentional Marriages Podcast with Wives Only. I'm excited. (laughs) Eventually, we'll bring our husbands back Mm -hmm. into the mix. So we have a series of questions that you've had a chance to look over. So let's um, dig right in. How did you meet your husband? So it's funny because every time we tell this story, Matt and I kind of laugh about it. He was out for Georgia Tech's homecoming with a bunch of friends at a bar of downtown in Virginia Highlands. And I saw him standing next to the bar in his Georgia Tech hat. And I thought he was a cute guy. And I kind of stood around for a while. Have, have I told you the story before? I don't think I've heard this. I kind of posed around for a little while thinking that he's going to notice me just because you know, being tall and usually in that kind of setting, the very least you get some kind of notice. So I posed and I leaned and was hoping that he would pay attention and he, he didn't. He was talking to his friends. So at some point I decided I'm just going to walk up to him and I tapped him on his shoulder and I leaned across. I said, can you pass me a little cocktail straw? <laughs> and he leaned over and grabbed a straw and um, turned around and, and gave it to me. And then saw me and finally started talking to me. So we love the, it. The funny thing about that story is, you know, we've joked for years about how the cocktail straw, how we got <laughs> started. And then Stephen Colbert told the same story about his wife. Really? Yeah, about how she asked for a cocktail straw, and that's how she got his attention. I thought that was really funny. It. We had good conversation. Like we talked for a while. I lied and told him that I knew HTML. <laughs> <laughs> and threw out a bunch of code that thinking he would believe me no. and he did you're and I such a creative person the last thing I would no. see you going I know html <laughs> I knew nothing about it but I was like hey I'll, you know it's worth it I'll toss it out so he got my phone number and he actually called me the day after well wow. didn't wait didn't play it cool um and so we went on our first date and I talked to him, and I was like, this guy is the nicest guy ever. Mm-hmm. Way too nice. Cross him off the list. Mm-hmm. Like, X out. So he, if he were here, he would tell you that he went home and, um, you know, thought that, you know, we'd get back in touch. And he tried a couple more times, and I never got back to him. Really? Yeah, so he was just kind of wrote me off as, like, maybe she's just a girl that wasn't interested. So. She really just wanted the cocktail straw. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was too nice. I was like, it's an act. There's no way that he could be this nice of a person. And um, I thought the same about Russ. Did you really? Mm-hmm. It's funny, isn't it? And it's like called, you're waiting for something. I know, right? He called the very next day. Yeah. Didn't wait, you know, I guess I'm going to wait for the three-day rule or something. Right. That's what I felt like most men are trying to like put something kind of by you or, you know, I just kept thinking there's something. But that, I guess three weeks after that, I remember thinking, whatever happened to that? That guy that I met in a bar, I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> so that was back in the day where you had to, to call someone back. So I called him and I said, what are you doing? And he wanted to go out to a movie that night. Again, he didn't wait or mm-hmm. play it cool. And, I love that. And so then we kind of reconnected and I was like, this guy is he's really interesting and really funny. And he's for real. Yeah. And really, really kind and, and always you know authentic. So it's kind of, you know, to find out more about him. I love it. 
Yes. I love it. How did, how did you guys get engaged? We, so we, the funny thing is, and I like, I want to tell this because we moved in together and we moved in together quickly. Um, I think we were, we'd only dated for like, like six or eight months or something. Like it wasn't very long. So we ended up moving in together before we even talked about getting married. And I guess we were 20, 26. No, no, 24 when we did, 24, 25. Um, So we ended up moving in together and, you know, like living together and going through all of that. In hindsight, it's kind of funny because when, you know, in your early 20s, you're like, whatever, I'm just going to do whatever seems to work. Uh, But in hindsight, I feel like I would have liked to have not done that. I feel like it probably would have been... um, I think it's it's harder on a relationship because it's like you're you're testing every little thing is a test. It's like so we're gonna live together and test this out, and then he you know doesn't put the toilet paper on or the toilet you know roll on the toilet paper holder. It's, I can't marry this person, or you know if he does one little thing wrong, it's like I can't marry him. So we had a, it was a hard kind of start to that, but he. At some point, he said he was talking to a coworker, um, and it was a coworker at work was talking about how he had been married for I think like fifteen years or something. Um, and the coworker tells him how much he loves his wife and how his wife supports him and everything. And if Matt were here to tell this story, he would say he came home after that and he was like, "I'm proposing because this is the person mm. that I want to be my partner like that." Wow. Um, and I want to you know, have someone to come home to who's who's my wife and not just a, like a living girlfriend. So uh, at some point along the, the way he decided, I used to kind of rummage around the house thinking I might find a ring, like digging in drawers and stuff <laughs> and thinking, well, he might propose. Let me shake it out of this shoebox. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he always, he got a ring, but he kept it stored at work because he knew I would shake the house down. That trying is to find. so funny. <laughs> I still to this day I'm not good with surprises. So he took me out to a day spa just to kind of he thought I needed a break and just kind of relax. And we went to Chateau Alon actually. Mm. And at the end of a long spa day, he took me out. Um, they had like a little gazebo, mm-hmm. and he got down on one knee, and I could. Were you surprised? I was. I was actually surprised because I there was. I thought for sure I would have known something. We found a ring because he's not a very good secret keeper, horrible secret keeper, and um, I had no idea until we were walking out there, and we got to this little gazebo, and his his hand was shaking. Oh, and I could feel the tremors. I was like, "Why is he shaking?" I was like, "He he can't have a ring. I've dug around. There's nothing to be had." (laughs) Um, And then he got down on one knee, and he was still shaking when he held the ring box. Oh. And I asked him afterward, I was like, Why are you why were you shaking? It's not you knew I was gonna say yes. And he was like, It was the, the pressure to do it right. Mm. Like he had this mm. idea of how he wanted it and mm. um it was really special. Yeah. That's sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's go back to where you were living together and you said if you had to do it over again you wouldn't have. I'm just gonna play the other side of the fence there. If there's some young millennials listening they're saying, yeah, that's exactly why I want to live with somebody before I get married. Because I do want to see how they do the toilet roll. And maybe they have certain bodily functions I don't want to expect. <laughs> you know, who knows? Whatever you're learning during that time, they see it as, 
I want to learn to see if I want this person long term, but stats will show, insert stat here, stats will show that it actually hurts a marriage long term if you're not intentional in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So what, why would you, if you had to do it over again, not, you know, it's, it's funny because this is actually Matt and I have had this conversation, but it's, I think the test drive mentality creates a, a more anxious environment than if when you're married, you have this common goal. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it kind of, it's, it softens certain mm -hmm. edges because you know that you're in it and, and you're, you're kind committed. of, you're together mm -hmm. and those things become, it's not, there's not these kind of tiny tests lined up. It's, I don't know. I think it's just, there's more gentleness and softness in the way that you're relating initially. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's just, it's, you have a different, you're in a different mental place and you have a different attitude about it. Right. It's kind of like, like test driving a car. It's like you're, you're driving it. You've got the, the pedal to the floor, driving it as hard as you can versus, you know, just kind of like moving the vehicle along. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in hindsight that, that for us, it, it was more trying than I, I think it needed to be. Right. You know, and I think in some ways it's just for me on like a, a kind of a girly level, it just, you kind of lose a little bit of the, it's the, the, the special, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the only the kind of thing that I would probably say now at 37 I think had you talked to me at, you know, 23, that mm -hmm. would I would have thought, or I would have quickly dismissed that and said, you know, that's just, you know, trying to, you know, kind of moralize or whatnot. But I mean, I think looking back, I think it would have been really kind of special to do that. Right. As, as a younger self, it's probably the ultimate in courtship that somebody wants you to move in with them mm -hmm. and that somebody really likes me. And I'm going to move forward with that instead of enjoying the courtship outside of living together. Exactly. Exactly. And and both Matt and I have agreed that we were harder on each other in a lot of ways. Um, even in fighting, it was a lot. There was a lot of like storming out or I'm going to stay, you know, at my mom's. And then it was funny because once we were married, I remember our first fight was I was thinking, oh, my gosh, neither one of us can threaten to go what are we going to do now that we can't threaten um and it kind of it took things down a notch on us like mm. this is our common shared thing that we're doing together and um you kind of approach it differently yeah well thank you for sharing that yeah. i love that so how long have you been married um we've been married 10 years this past october so, but if you count the living together, it's been <laughs> it's been like thir thirteen years, I think we say. So it's been a, a long time, oh, relatively, I guess. So, what's one thing that surprised you after you were married? Oh my goodness! About about Matt or mm -hmm. about is was there were there any surprises because you lived together? I think that was there weren't a lot of surprises because we lived together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think probably what I just said was like the biggest surprise of not being able to threaten right. to leave. And I remember a fight on our honeymoon thinking, gosh, I have no dramatic effect here. I can't, <laughs> how am I going to, you know, make a big deal? And when we're definitely not getting, you know, we're definitely in this. And 
it's funny, actually, Matt, early on within our first year, he was the one that said, we will never use the D word. Mm-hmm. We have to take that off the table. Right. So he took it off the table kind of early on. But I think, I think kind of that was, I guess, one of the biggest changes. It's not being able to pull that card out. Yeah. And that's pretty powerful because we don't do that either. That word never comes up. It's not an option. It's amazing. I would, I would just have never thought to, to bring that idea into it. And it sounds very simple when I say it, but I mean, the fact that there's enough respect for the other person to not pull that out, like it's a really right. good place to start. And Matt, Matt brought that, that's not something that I would, I, you know, I like the fiery effect <laughs> of my kind of stuff. Well, speaking of fiery effect, what's your love language? Um, it's still trying to figure it out. And I was you thinking, have more than one. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, I don't know. What's it? So maybe acts of service. Mm-hmm. So when he does something for you, like clean out the dishwasher, yeah. do the laundry, pick up the kids. Yeah, I think that's probably. I know that he—that's his favorite thing to do, as a a love language is an act of service for me. And like that's, that's huge because doing it. it rarely do couples match up. Like my love language is physical touch and words of affirmation. And, you know, if I, for us, it's natural for him to give that to me. So we're lucky in that sense. But if I was acts of service, he's so not acts of service. Like that would be painful for him (laughs) to to go around and do stuff for me. I mean, it would have to, he'd have to think it through and be intentional. Whereas words of affirmation and physical touch just comes naturally. So it's easier so you're lucky in the sense that he has acts of service. Yeah, I think that's because I'm thinking about what our dynamic is, and I know that that his love language is, is physical touch. So, I guess to illustrate it, he'll spend all day doing everything he can, in the anticipation that at some point he'll get you know <laughs> a returned act of uh, right love language. So, which you're implying that you're you don't come natural. Yeah. To, Giving physical touch, right? Yeah, I mean, not maybe not as much as him. You know, it's I don't know. That's I think that's there might be other ways, but that's what seems to happen with our dynamic the most. So, what would you say comes naturally to you? Mm -hmm. Quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch. I would say probably. Maybe quality time and words of affirmation. I'm trying to think of the things that, that I give him the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he were sitting here, he would probably say words of affirmation and quality time. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm a big cheerleader for him. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. That, Russ says that words of affirmation for him are huge. Yeah. And especially being that, you know, men in respect are so, you know, intrinsically important. Like, I think. It's, it seems to, he seems to respond the most to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you both really excited about right now? Right now? Mm-hmm. Having a 16-month-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's horribly challenging, but it's, it's crazy exciting. And I think if, you know. I think together watching, especially Luke become a, a little person mm-hmm. and his personality develop 
and being able to, to do things like, in, like with them go camping or go on walks and have a shared experience of watching this little person grow. Like that's probably the thing that we're most enthusiastic and exhausted about. <laughs> at the same time, at the same time yeah. which I didn't think it was possible, but it's um, pretty mind blowing. And how, how was that transition going from one to two kids? For me, it was really hard. It's, it was really hard. I, I feel like one, it's like, you know, you can kind of have both, you know, you hand off responsibilities but then the second one, you layer that in, and it's just there's a constant um, motion, a constant you know turnover to keep things moving, and we all kind of have to keep everything, all the balls in the air, and that's been it's been challenging. Mm-hmm. So just the where we are right now in life. So what are you struggling with? Honestly, probably the the physical aspect is probably one of the biggest challenges, and. It's interesting because when I thought about what it would be like to be married 10 years in, you wonder, will the attraction still be there? Will the the spark be there? And that's not been the kind of biggest obstacle. It's really been um, the time, you know. Mm -hmm. And when you have kind of two little people competing for, you know, attention and the time, and then you only have so much left after that to maintain with like laundry and dishes and whatnot then there's a very small sliver of time where you kind of have to find a way to connect Mm -hmm. and um, then you need that connection to somehow kind of be pivoted into like our physical relationship so it's been there's been ups and downs with it and as with most marriages yeah I think so I think so we you know we try we've tried to do schedules and sometimes that feels too rigid and you know, you know, men are so different. From, they can, they could be washing dishes and turn around, and it's time. Right. But you know, it's, it's like I kind of need foot rubbing in Downton Abbey. So <laughs> it's a different. It requires more time. So we're struggling with like how to have this authentic, you know, time, this space that we carve out, where we can really connect and feel like it's, you know, we have that. So it's probably that's probably one of the, our biggest challenges. Yeah. Um, and it's something that Russ and I, I will deal with is I need to be met on an emotional level. He needs no level. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and so I, I think it's, it's a lot to ask our men to, to be able to tap into that when it's hard for them to even understand sometimes what that is. Exactly. And time too, I think, you know, and that's, when that's in limited supply, like you know, it's one of the reasons I think Matt's scrubbing and lifting and <laughs> cleaning as much as he can. He's like, I'm gonna get us some time. <laughs> oh. Dishes are done. <laughs> so on on that, what is one thing that you're doing for him every day? Um, I, I maybe we could, uh, probably the thing I do the most frequently is probably I guess words of affirmation or encouragement. I really believe in him. I really believe in the the job he's doing. And so we, we talk about that almost every day. We kind of sit down at night and talk about what he's thinking, clients, the travel. And and so he's I, working in the nonprofit world or yeah. a company that supports nonprofits. Yeah, so he works with a lot of different nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing that I make sure I do every day is kind of talk to him about what's happening and, you know, listen to, you know, what his challenges are and, and you know, what he's excited about. 
Um, and that's, that's a really special thing for us. Yeah. So you just touched on something I, Russ and I really believe strongly in and that's talking about your hopes and dreams. And it sounds like you're doing some of that in talking about what he's doing, his traveling. Are you, are you getting into the hopes and dreams of what he hopes the dream will turn, the job will turn into or what you want as a family? So we, after talking to you and Russ about it, we had started doing our staff meeting that we do once a week where we talk about, it's funny because Matt's the one that actually drives it. So he'll sit down and he always jokes, he goes, so tell me your hopes and dreams. <laughs> and because I always forget when it's coming up and the kids are just in bed and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm eating a piece of chocolate and he'll be like, hopes and dreams time. And I'm like, oh, it's time. <laughs> um so he now are you filled with dread or are you looking forward to the conversation? What is the I I really look forward to it actually, but it's kind of a joke because it's you know, I thought I was snuggled in and chocolate eating time and I'm like, Oh, we're doing this. <laughs> so it's kind of a little mixed. But and we go through that structure and we talk about it. And what's what's really funny having done that is how much in like I guess it's been a year or two, how much it's changed. Because it used to be hopes and dreams like of travel and certain um, kind of goals around, you know, things that we would do in like our free time. And now it's evolved into a weekend of sleep. (laughs) So it's changed a lot or just a a weekend of, you know, going to the park and and eating breakfast and having slow time with our family. So it's, it's definitely changed. And isn't it insightful? Yes. Because people think, well, why would you talk about your homes and dreams every week? Like, talk about them once a year and then, you know, check back in. But they evolve so much and you don't realize how your spouse is, like, changing their mind or something else has, you know, happened in their job or their life that they are like, okay, scratch that dream. I'm on to something else or it's evolved in a different way. Exactly. Well, and and what I didn't realize until we we got this from you and Russ, actually, I didn't realize how guarded I was with, with telling Matt certain things that were important to me because I, there was a lot of self-criticism. I, I was thinking, well, if I sit down and say, I, I want new, new dining chairs or something that that's the, so frivolous and so unworthy of, you know, discussing, or, or, you know, I have a, I want our house to be a certain way, but that it carved out this kind of very special kind of safe place to be able to say like, I have this, you know, big dream or this tiny dream, and I feel like I could actually say it. And the so, permission to, without worrying about money. Yeah. Is just put the dream out there. And it's it has created, like, more, like, openness to talk about that kind of stuff. And Matt, I realized it's funny because so having never really asked it, you just kind of assume you're, you have parallel ideas. Right. But when we talk about it, he dreams a lot about um, – a consistent physical life and um, finding the the right course for his career. It's it's interesting. Am I supposed to say that on here? Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that's too much to share. I guess. No, no, no. It's but it's a very consistent theme, and it's it gives me an opportunity to hear that because I'm like, no, it's a dream. I'm like anything, you won the lottery. What is the dream? Right. He's like right. Working for nonprofits and having a physical <laughs> relationship and study. <laughs> So, it's pretty simple. I know, very <laughs> consistent. So it's been it, that's a special thing that 
that we do. We don't always hit every week. Sometimes we'll miss a week, mm-hmm. but it's on our calendar. It recurs. So he, you know, he kind of helps drive that actually. And when you talked about the structure, we have three questions that we go over. What's your structure? I think, I think he patterned it after what you shared with us. It's, oh my gosh, I should be able to say this off the top of my head. We go over our schedule. Okay. We, I think we do hopes and dreams first. Okay. And then I think we move into praise. Okay. Um, and then there's one more that we do after praise. Have I done anything to hurt you? God. I don't think so. I don't think we do that one. Okay. Maybe we just do hopes and dreams and praise. And then okay. we usually talk about finances. Okay. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Ours is what's the schedule for the week, which it really helps me. And sometimes because he's traveling a lot more, it just helps me to manage my week. And we want to make sure if we're out certain nights that we make time for each other other nights. Just with his career now, he's doing um, a lot more dinners too. But um, so we go over our schedule. Second, we go over our hopes and dreams. And then third is, have I done anything to hurt you this week? Hmm. And we'll talk about that. But we also talk about what did I do right? And Boyd, our counselor, um, says that it's just as important in discussing what I've done right, just like what we do when we've done something wrong, we pick it apart and we mm-hmm. analyze it and we go back and forth. Well, you should do that just as much about what the other person did right. And why did that make a difference to you? So for the longest time, we just talked about how we hurt each other. <laughs> we never <laughs> talked about what we were doing right. <laughs> so there That's was, a reason to dread it right there. <laughs> uh, that's why I asked you if you were dreading your hopes and dreams conversation, because there were times I'd get into it and I'm like, Mm-mm. <laughs> I, I do not want to have this conversation. And, and we've made the mistake of going a whole summer after years of doing it every week. And it, it, it talk about it being bottled up. Wow. When you've had this, you know, release every week and then, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty damaging. Oh my gosh. And so much happens in a week yeah. and so much to, yeah. to go that long. It's yeah. And what okay. we have found in thrive groups too, is that if they've never tried it, that we caution them. Like when you first come to this meeting, there's going to be a lot of stuff that hasn't been discussed, you know, for months, maybe sometimes years. And to just know that it could be a little rough in the beginning just like it's going to be rough when not Russ and I get, you know, started back up again, because the summer was an unusual summer for us. And we typically do thrive in the fall and we took this fall off, you know, for obvious reasons. And it, he says he's actually a better husband when we're doing thrive because it holds him accountable. Right. And so this checking in type of meeting, you call it a staff meeting, you can call it a check-in meeting, whatever brings you together. You can call it whatever you want, but um, it does put intentionality and accountability back into the marriage instead of just coasting because even small things, you can brush them aside, but they do build up. Yeah. And it's, it's a great way to make sure that you hear the other person because I'm not always the best listener for, for Matt. So it kind of gives a chance for me to kind of, I don't know. Create this safe environment to listen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to doing it while you're, the kids are at your feet and you're loading the dishwasher. <laughs> yes. Exactly. What are your thoughts about counseling? And do you, do you and Matt go? So, I mean, I guess because, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty honest person in general. I think I'll start by saying that I actually, I, I really, really emphatically support 
support counseling. I think it's amazing. It's done great things for us. It's opened up um, a lot of conversations that I think we would have ignored and allowed to fester. But I will say that Matt is usually the one that's, when we've gone at different points, he's usually the one that drives it. We did it once before we were married, um, or several times before we were married over finances. We did it several times when we lived in Charleston, and then we've been doing it up here since uh, we got married. But it's it's interesting because as much as I value it, I'll find myself a lot of times actually digging in and like saying, resisting. resisting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think if I'm really honest with myself, part of it is knowing that there's an accountability right? Um, right. and sitting across from someone who knows my story and who has a pretty good understanding of um, the motivators and so that there is a part of me that, that sometimes resists it, especially mm-hmm. if we're at a really difficult point. Mm-hmm. But in terms of its overarching effect on our lives, it's, it's been invaluable. Right. Invaluable in, in giving us ways to talk to each other when we think there's no way right. to get there. Um, the when tools we, are incredible. It's, it's For a non-talker like me, hands down that's the the key to success it's incredible counseling for me and having and having a kind of neutral party who can can hear in both both kind of um you know parties and help you kind of navigate that that gap it's I feel like it's not a thing that will ever kind of end for us there's no end date for needing it it's just it's like a constant thing that I think you need to to help you know, give you the tools to, to be married. Right. And my biggest thing is we'll get counseling or guidance or coaching for fitness, for finances, for food. Yet we won't do it for the most important relationship in our life. Oh my gosh. It's changed the people that we are, but yeah, it's, it, we're so grateful for it. And I think it's so important. Yeah. When you talk about what it would look like if, if we didn't have counseling is I would be a runner mm-hmm. in I wouldn't get divorced, but I would be emotionally divorced Yeah, because I didn't grow up where conflict, conflict led to intimacy. I, I that is so foreign to me. And now to move through that and fight and come out closer on the other end of it, I'm like, this is beautiful. Like you just said, it's a messy, beautiful beauty in that. But it took many, many conversations, many sessions for me to learn that. And when I talk about the measure of success in counseling, it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to like put stats around. But the only thing I can point to now is in the beginning when Russ and I would fight, I would shut down for three days. Now I can talk to him within 20 minutes, sometimes even in the moment of us fighting. That for us is huge. Because for Russ, he's like, said it and it's done. Right. And he's like, wait, what? Like, you're, this is day two. Like <laughs> how much longer is this going to last? I'm like, Oh, it'll last. <laughs> I can show you how long. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that, that has, had, uh, that has softened me tremendously. And again, I did not grow up being able to, to fight in a healthy manner. So yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that you've seen success in the counseling arena because Russ and I, one of the, things that we're um, really working towards is trying to remove that stigma of counseling. It's not because you're in a crisis mode or something's wrong with you. 
but to just have a life coach speaking into you. And like you said, accountability and, and for somebody to help me communicate something that seems so clear to me, you know, and I feel like he's an advocate for me, but he's just as much of an advocate for Russ as well. So it is a very neutral, we both feel um, heard and, and um, sometimes we need an interpreter. <laughs> well, and there's been times when we've been going to counseling and we're like, we don't even need to go. Like, what is there to talk about? But it's, it's interesting because in hindsight, I feel like having someone that knows your story and that knows you and checks in is that it's worth having that rather than you get to this point of crisis and you're desperately looking for someone and you have to jump right into someone who doesn't know your story, doesn't know your background and sees you at this kind of like crisis point. So part of that, I feel like part of that whole story is having enough of a relationship to kind of jump into to say, we need help kind of navigating this. And you brought up a great point is you don't want to walk in and say, hi, I'm so-and-so and and here's my crisis. You want them to already understand and know you and know your family history and know your tendencies and know your shortcomings to be able to talk into your crisis. You don't want to have to give a bunch of history up front. So you, you just hit on another key point that we like to share with Couples and Thrive, the marriage curriculum that we facilitate is don't wait for the crisis moment. Get get to know a counselor well up front that for me is an advocate, is a friend, is a coach, is a is a parent almost looking in and and mentoring you. So yeah. I, I love that you have that perspective as well. Well and we've had that experience when we were in Charleston and we went to someone that it, it was, you know, it's an hour to you're not even started on kind of setting the context of it. So that was, that's a kind of a disappointing, you know, I guess, life preserver to be thrown to you when it's, there's no story behind it. So I I recognize the value now of having someone that knows that story. Right. Right. Tune in next week for part two of my interview with Kelly Hall. Want some more insight on how to strengthen your marriage? You can find new blogs posted every week and a new live monthly webinar just go to intentionalmarriages.net. That's intentionalmarriages with an S dot net, N-E-T. Thank you and stay intentional.